Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. Let's pray. Lord, would you come and speak to us through your word now in Christ's name. Amen. When things aren't as they should be, Um, Whether you're thrown into extreme circumstances, you're adjusting to change, um, you're living through a pandemic, your unexpected stress is being put on you. Um, A a phrase is often said, and I've said it this week to Rachel, Um, people have said it to me, and it's kind of become a common recognition that things aren't as they should be. And that's um, when I say, look, I'm just not the best version of myself right now. And I don't know if any of you identify with that statement. It's that despite all that's going on, I know I should be doing better than I am. But this is, this is kind of where I am. And uh, I don't know if you've, you identify with that or if you've ever had one of those days where everything is kind of off or not going well or maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn you, you will have permission to laugh in a moment. You'll, you'll know why. Um, and that's not to minimize what you're going through, but this was an especially bad day. I just moved from Canada to England. I thought I'd signed up to a bird MDiv course, which was the opposite. And uh, I was trying to figure out my way in this British culture. I'd been gang pressed by a friend who told me I needed to do some acting because acting is what you do when you go to Oxford. And there was this place surrounded to Bergerac. I don't know if you're familiar with the guy with the big nose. And uh, they needed me to play two roles, and I just, anyway, I got pressured into it, so I said yes. I had to grow my hair out, and I was just kind of, anyway, so I'm walking, and there's a bridge in Oxford, the uh, Maudlin Bridge, and as I was walking across, it was spring, um, and um, that's the time of year when the tourists descend, and as I'm walking across the bridge, a gaggle a group of 20 plus Japanese tourists swarm around me. And they're really excited and they're really animated and they, they are, they're all speaking at once. And I, to be honest, I was having such a bad day that I was a bit shocked by what was happening. I'd kind of missed the whole point of what was going on. So I kind of said, quiet. <laughs> and all these, so they just kind of quieted all down. And they all had notepads and pens in their hands, kind of pushed them towards me. And uh, they said, can we have your autograph? We have your autograph. And I was like, what? Um, So I said, you got me. How did you know? And they said, oh, it's your dance moves. 
It's the way you walk. It's your hair. And this one really short Japanese woman said, you're so handsome. And I, it didn't help because I still didn't know who it was. And finally, someone shouted out, John Travolta, please, please, John Travolta, give us your autograph. And when those things happen, you have a decision, right? You can kind of say, oh, look, I'm not John Travolta. But it had such a bad day. I was like, I'll take it. And suddenly, my dance moves went next level. Suddenly, I kind of became John Travolta on Magdalen Bridge in the middle of Oxford, and I signed autographs. <laughs> they all then wanted photos, and I took photos, and people were going by. I had a friend stop and watch, say, what are you doing? I said, don't worry, I'll tell you later. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'd become the best version of myself that could ever exist. I had become my version of John Travolta. And somewhere in Tokyo, or somewhere else in Japan, there are people who say, oh, remember that time we met John Travolta on the bridge? And it wasn't. It was me. And uh, anyway, I basked in it. Um, I know. Who is this guy? You know, that's the kind of priest you have. And uh, I, I do stand by my dance moves because they did win my wife over eventually. Um, but we have this thing, don't we? We love it when the light is shone on us from the outside and we get praise or we get recognition or we get success. And part of that is hardwired into who we are. And this is where we meet Jesus. And it, he kind of turns it all in his head, which is the nature of Jesus in his teaching, is that we, we start in our passage. If you look with me in Luke chapter 9, you've got it there in front of you. Um, verse 28 says, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James. Well, eight days after what? It's eight days after earlier in the passage, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. So this is eight days after Peter finally gets it right and says, you are the Christ. That's who I believe you to be. And then eight days later, in verse uh, 28, he takes with him Peter, John, and James and goes up to the mountain to pray. So the first thing we notice here is that Jesus had an inner circle. He had three disciples that he took with him for these more intimate moments. And Jesus at this very specific, specific moment before turning towards Jerusalem, before turning towards the agony that awaits, and in order to prepare him for what's about to happen, God does something for him. God gives him a mountaintop experience. Um, and mountaintop experiences are, are wonderful and, and, and when, you, when you have one, it's, it's just, it really feels like something of heaven has filled you, which is kind of the model, because that's what happens to Jesus. Um, but they really prepare us to walk through the valley of the shadows and uh, to do it in obedience and faith. And so this is the moment before the drama of Holy Week erupts where Jesus receives from God to prepare him for what awaits. And so this inner circle that he takes with him, uh, they're a strange collection because um, they aren't chosen for their prayerfulness. These three fall asleep every time they're asked to stay awake and pray. They're not chosen because they're the best of the best. They're chosen because of some other criteria that we're not told why. 
But Jesus says, hey, you three come with me. Maybe he liked the way Peter spoke without a filter. I mean, sometimes it's kind of funny. Sometimes it's wholly inappropriate. Like when you cut someone's ear off with a sword. Shouldn't do it, really, uh, ever. Um, But he has them, and he likes them. And so Luke tells us that the four four of them withdrew alone. And so the first question that leaps out at, at us is, do you have people in your life who know you? Like who really know you? Who you can share and who you can let in on what's really going on? And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is praying, his face changes in verse 28, 29, and his clothing became dazzling white. It's important to notice here that it's not that there was suddenly like a firework that went off on the mountain. It wasn't light from the outside that made him dazzling. There's something else going on. And what's going on is, and why this is so encouraging for us, is that the light comes from the inside. The light that was within him is brought to the surface for all to see. And what we see is this moment on the mountain provides the disciples with a glimpse of the future glory of Jesus, who they've just declared is the Christ eight days before, who's also the son of man, and who at his second coming, when he comes in the clouds, he will come unveiled, and we will see him like he was at the transfiguration. What is it? Just full of glory. Peter had confessed that he's the Christ and now God the Father endorses him by letting his glory shine without any kind of filter. This is my son in verse 35. Listen to him. Those similar words that were said at the baptism of Jesus, this is my son whom I love. And now all of a sudden, two things are happening. One is, this is my son Listen to him is for the disciples. This is my son whom I love. Pay attention to his teachings. Jesus' teachings supersede and rightly interpret the Old Testament for the new age of the kingdom of God. That's why Moses and Elijah are there. Moses representing not just the law, but also the one who delivered the people into the promised land, and Elijah representing uh, and fulfilling the prophecy that the sign that the Son of Man had come is that the prophet Elijah would return, and here they are. And one other version of the scriptures say, in glorious splendor. In glorious splendor. Something else is going on here too. Listen to him, this is my beloved son, listen to him is uttered for the benefit of Jesus. We see here a side of the caring heart of his father. After this moment, Jesus sets his sight on Jerusalem and so what does the father do? He endorses his son. He gives his son his full, unreserved, complete and utter support in a way that no one could deny. 
Jesus, with all his claims, is suddenly endorsed by the Father. And some of us today need his endorsement. Not so much in the way that we might be aware of it during a political campaign, you know, when a, a commercial is endorsed, my name is so-and-so and I endorse this message. But that sense of we've been walking in this direction of obedience for so long, and suddenly the Father comes and by his presence says, I'm with you in this moment by his spirit. And then you have what you need to keep going. Luke tells us that they were talking to Jesus about his departure, that's Elijah and Moses, which he's about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. And these men appear, as I just said, representing God, ushering in his kingdom. Moses is the one who led God's people to the promised land. Elijah is the prophet. And so they're brought to minister to him. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because what happens shortly after this is on a different mountainside, Jesus is revealed. And for the sake of his glory, while on Skull Hill, the transfiguration, he's revealed in glory. At the crucifixion, he's revealed in shame as he hangs on the cross. Here his clothes are dazzling white, and there on the cross his clothes are stripped away. Here he appears with Moses and Elijah, and there on either side of him are two criminals who are crucified with him. Here a bright cloud surrounds them all, and there thick darkness will cover the land as he dies. Here God's voice announces, this is my son, listen to him. On the cross, it's a Roman soldier who says, surely this was the Son of God. The glory of Jesus is exchanged for shame and suffering. And at the transfiguration, we see Jesus at his best. At the cross, we see the very worst of what can be done to a human being. Why? So that you and I can be ourselves and be free from the trap of striving towards perfection, of striving for whatever it is we feel we need to be, uh, striving towards a level of performance that we need to adhere to in order to be a good person or a friend or whatever it is. The death and resurrection of Jesus makes a way for us to come to him so that we no longer have to conform to the patterns of this world, but we be, can be transformed by what he has done and what he has said so that all can be forgiven and all can be redeemed. I don't know if any of you um, have read a book by Jackie Pullinger called Chasing the Dragon. Um, Jack, it was um, in 2006, I had the privilege of speaking at a healing conference once. I was never invited back, so you can, you know, I didn't kind of live up to, I wasn't my best self. Um, that was a joke. Uh, but I was speaking at a healing conference, and Jackie Pullinger was going to be there. And since I had read Chasing the Dragon, I wanted to, to meet her. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book. It's an incredible book. It takes place inside of Hong Kong, in, in the walled city, where strangers were not welcomed. Police did not enter the walled city. It was a haven of filth, crime, and sin, 
where a prostitution, drug addiction flourished, and Jackie had grown up believing that if she put her trust in God, he would lead her. And when she was 20 years old, she got on a ship, booked a one-way ticket around the world, and got off at Hong Kong because she felt called to the walled city. And as she went in, she began to speak of Jesus and to pray, expecting that Jesus would change their lives. Brutal thugs were converted, prostitutes retired, and heroin junkies found new power that freed them from the bondage of drug addiction. Hundreds discovered new life in Christ, and a single woman filled with the Spirit of God did what no authority in Hong Kong could do. She single-handedly brought down the walled city. And I was gonna meet her. I was gonna meet her and I was pretty pumped and I kept, my, in fact, I took the speaking engagement just to be able to meet Jackie. And I was going and I kept my eyes peeled for her that morning and I didn't see her. Uh, I wasn't sure what I was looking for. I mean, what does a woman look like who's brought down the walled city in Hong Kong? I thought she must be, what, eight feet tall, eyes of sapphire, you know, power suit or heels at least, maybe nails done. And uh, I didn't see her. And I get to, there's a speaker's lunch, and I get to the speaker's lunch, and there's nowhere left to sit except this seat at the back table. And uh, sitting next to an older-looking woman who had a bad haircut and an ugly sweater. And uh, so I sat down next to her, and we eat lunch. We make small talk, and, you know, she's on the intense side of things. But, you know, I kind of make an excuse to finish up early and, and, and leave. And that afternoon, when the session that Jackie's speaking starts, who gets up but the woman? I was expecting someone for whom the light of the outside world had shone on her and made her look fantastic. But she was an ordinary woman. And but she was a spiritual giant. She had shunned, she had really fought against that desire to be famous and she'd moved away from that desire to have light shine on her from the outside so that she could have more of God's light on the inside shine through her. And I was pretty humbled. I couldn't believe what had happened because of my expectations that were off, that weren't kingdom-minded, that had been caught up in this celebrity culture. I had missed out an opportunity to really have a chat with Jackie. I recommend you all read that book, Chasing the Dragon. It's just utterly incredible. And it's really about coming to him, whether at your best or not. In fact, all of the people that Jesus interacts with in his earthly ministry are people who would probably say today, things aren't the way they should be. And yet, they're drawn to him. And the, as I conclude, just a couple of points, really, that we have a God who prepares us for what's to come. He knows, and he's taken up a posture of empowerment. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to fill our bodies, mind, and souls, and give us an assurance of what's to come. It's a mountaintop experience. We get these encounters so that we can live more faithfully for him back in the valleys. Our life is to be modeled on that of Jesus. We're warned to expect hardship as long as we live here. And he hasn't left us alone in those times. But he also invites us to encounter something of his glory. 
that we would know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit when it's tough, that our hearts might beat to his heart. One of the most incredible reports coming out of the Ukraine these last few days is that the church hasn't left. So many have stayed throughout the Ukraine and haven't fled the invasion so that they can be there with the people through this difficult time. I find that, I'd love to say I would do that for you. But we don't know because we're not in those circumstances. I'm sure we would. Where else would you, would you go? When his light doesn't shine on us from the outside, but his light shines in us from the inside out, the goal is that we are normal people, very ordinary. But what leaks through us is this light that is the presence of God. And that though we may not have all the hallmarks of what it looks like to be famous and successful in the eyes of the world, there's an inward strength that people find irresistible. So it's about knowing and loving Jesus on the mountain or in the valley. And some of us in a group like this will be on the other side. Some of us are deep in the valley. He's there. Some of us have really stepped into a place of great opportunity where you have a, a tangible evidence of the blessing of God. The important thing wherever you are is to maintain a posture where you can receive from him. When we pray, and it's, it's the oldest prayer in the church, come Holy Spirit, what we're asking for is that the Lord would fill the person with a taste of his glory that will only be fully available when his kingdom is fully released. And that will only happen when he returns. In this moment, we have glimpses of it in part, but a day is coming when it will be fully released and realized. Let's pray, shall we? Why don't we stand? Change of posture, wake you up. Lord, we come to you with this passage, with this truth of your desire to meet us where we are, to take us as we are. And we ask now that you would come by your spirit and fill our hearts with your presence. For those of us who are in a struggle, who identify with the valley, would you come, Lord Jesus? We pray for the endorsement of God the Father. Would you come and speak, Father? Would you help us turn away from the desire to have the light of this world to shine on us, that we might have your light, Jesus, you are the light of the world, that it would shine in us and work through us, that we would be known as ordinary people who know Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, would you well up within us? Would you come upon us? Fill us with your presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.